0: To another installment of New Books and Poetry's month long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Ashaki M. Jackson is a social psychologist and poet living in Los Angeles. She is a Cave Canem and Vona alumna, whose work appears in Cura, Pluck, and Prairie Schooner, among others. She serves on the Vita Women in Literary Arts Board and authored two chapter-length collections, Surveillance, Writ Large Press, and Language Lesson, Miel. Welcome, Ashaki. Thank you so much for having me. So let's jump right in with a poem, if that's okay. Um, Would you please read The Public Has a Moment of Courage on page 17? Sure.
1: The Public Has a Moment of Courage. You tether yourself to vulnerable moments in the footage. You want to know all sides, so you step into the dead skin and assume a new witness begin fresh. In this skin, you touch and name all things, make your safety with your bare hands and trust. You understand the magic and rareness of your visibility, that you are always seen even in others' periphery, that you are watched carefully. You become very intentional in your breathing, In this skin, you are seen as violence. When you are confronted about your skin, because this is about your skin, you will be expected to forgive an honest mistake, to give space that you are never allowed to take, or to give your very life. You will notice that your hands are remarkably empty.
0: Thank you so much. Um, So let's talk about process. I don't only mean the process of craft, but the historical and emotional mining that surely had to take place to create these pieces. Could you speak on that?
1: Yes. For this particular collection, which was written maybe over the period of two or, or three months, I was constantly thinking about the videos or whatever my peers were putting on social media. There was not really an escape unless you purposefully stopped engaging with media. So that piece in itself became part of a daily routine. Whether I was driving to work, or I was at work, or I was commuting back from work, there was always the thinking. And I believe for many of us who are affected negatively by these videos, there's a there's a desire to buffer yourself, Mm -hmm. to distance Mm -hmm. yourself. And I was interested in in exploring that distance. What is it like to not be so defeated by what you see and what you hear? What is it like to step back and witness what's happening, including those people who are also witnessing what's happening? Mm -hmm. It was meta Mm -hmm. in that way. So I think, a function of this short collection was to buffer myself from continued injury, but also to be able to give a new perspective of how we are experiencing experiencing these videos together or experiencing the pain uniquely, but still there is always someone watching, which is, I think, a pastime of this nation, is always to surveil the other.
0: Mm. No, I completely agree with that. And I hadn't even taken it to that, I guess, flip side of the surveillance, um, the idea of us as watchers or witnesses of the you know cycle of violence and trauma um, that we not only perpetuate by posting and sharing these things, but that we bear witness to what others um, are posting and sharing. That's some deep stuff, Ashaki. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a protective... I think it's a protective structure that I that I do. I'm always the scientist in these situations um, when I'm tired of being the I'm not sure if it's victim or victim adjacent, maybe Mm -hmm. that gets Mm -hmm. it gets exhausting very quickly. So then I move to my my research role and I say, what is happening? Why and in what ways?
0: Um, I, I often write about difficult subject matter as well, and I find that when I'm framing it in the form of a narrative that I'm I'm taking some of its power away and, and transferring that power to me as almost the curator
1: of reality. Um, Did you have yeah. that experience here? Yes, there was curation here, and I didn't think of the audience as I was writing. Um, I just, and this was... Um, this was something I didn't realize until people approached me about it, a variety of people approached me about it, that the second person point of view was easier to process mm-hmm. than the first or third person. So there's you, and I'm not necessarily sure who I'm talking to besides everyone who I'm watching, like this omniscient being, but there are people who step into that role and say, oh, she's talking about me she's directing this towards me, what can I do? Or why? how else can I think about this situation?
0: Mm -hmm. So when you originally wrote these pieces, were they in
1: second person? They were, in fact, in second person, I believe I was doing that as another protection mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I had read Claudia Rankine's Citizen, an American lyric and was struck by the use of you in her essay on sitting beside the black gentleman on the bus or the train, mm-hmm. I felt how how effective that point of view was, because it also drew me into sitting beside with and empathizing with that man, with an empty seat beside him that entire duration that no one wanted to sit in. I said, you, it was a call, maybe a call to action, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been experimenting with you for a while, and I thought it was appropriate for this particular collection. Mm
0: -hmm. The second person can be a a really awesome literary device for when the speaker or the writer needs to create some sort of psychic distance while also trying to engage actively with the reader. I I personally love it. (laughs) Um, So for the final poem, would you please read The Speaker Who is Black Interjects the Black Conflict on page 20?
1: Sure. The speaker... Who is black interjects the black conflict. The speaker, who is black, interjects the black conflict. We say, King Watcher, please guide us. It opens its mouth and makes no sound. Moves its godly eye in our direction and does not blink. We expect it to provide safety with the certainty of the sun. We praise it for keeping us alive. We want eternity like King Watcher, who has never known death. We assume it has known pain. We do not question if it finds us undesirable. We are made in its image. We are who we want to be. We show King Watcher where it hurts and ask for repair. We call on that God in need, in ache. We ask for something in return. We beg with offerings, with bodies bleeding on all altars. We ask if it has ever bled. We ask for explanations. We get no comfort. We take It's silence as a response. We make the silence remarkable. Give it a language. Call it real. We want it to be disturbed like a crumpled body. We call for its retaliation because we want retaliation. We want to be protected. To belong to the king and not to long. We want its big eye to see us and say mine, and to answer, and to be generous with consolation. We want more than surveillance. Thank you. Um, so what
0: work do you hope this chapbook will do, whether for the individual or the collective?
1: I need empathy. Mm-hmm. I need a universal empathy and for the first responses to these types of violence is not to be, you deserved it. Mm. That is such an injury to humanity to not see other people's aching or to reason it as something that's deserved. No one deserves this. And by this, I mean violence from a public servant, violence in a system that's supposed to protect the public or at least offer a fair trial. There are bodies not making it to the courtroom anymore. So I I have this desire for people to step into all of these skins. They can be the witness. They can be the observed. They can be the injured and figure out what that feels like Hmm. and how to shape their responses.
0: Do you think that this is something that you're gonna carry throughout your work in the future? That this that you've hit on on an impetus, almost a creative impetus for your work?
1: I've continued writing poems mm-hmm. on police brutality and violence and omniscience, omnipresence. And unfortunately there's always something to write about in that vein. Yeah. But I'd like to talk more about the history of it. There are advocates of the law. And as some of us know, the law was created during a period where people were chattel, Mm -hmm. where blacks were considered three-fifths of a human so they could never be autonomous. They were always property and belonging to and observed as property. So I'm interested in examining more those those laws of maybe surveillance mm-hmm. and punishment by officers and by the community that were sanctioned mm-hmm. that are reappearing in ways currently that leave more people dead and un- not protected under the law equally. So that's the direction that this work is going. I think I've said a lot about the videos and our consumption of these videos, but I haven't said why, how we got to the, the videos. How did we get to these killings? How did we get to the community or the neighborhood watching others and judging others' humanities?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very excited to see how um, this desire for a universal empathy manifests in your work in different ways, for sure. Thank you. Um, Well, thank you, Ashaki, for writing this amazing collection and for sharing it with us today.
1: Thanks for being a witness with me. I appreciate it.
0: This has been Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry.